first episode of the Good Dude Podcast. I'm Joe Thomas, and we'll be your host for the next 30 minutes or so. I'm super excited about this process, and I hope y'all enjoy it as much as I do. This episode is essentially just me interviewing my dad. I couldn't think of a better example of a good dude than my pop. Anyhow, take a listen, let me know what you think, and I hope you enjoy it. So, uh, just a little bit of an intro. Um, I was thinking about a good way to celebrate Father's Day and, and something interesting to do as opposed to just, you know, a general gift card to, to Lowe's or Home Depot or, uh, you know, Harbor Freight, which is always appreciated. But, uh, you know, I just want to do something a little different and uh, kind of make something that we could leave behind and, and pass on to my kids and they might know us a little bit better. So I thought about some questions that I wanted to ask you and and get some information from you about your life and things you've done. So if you're ready, we can just jump right into it. Let's do it. All right. So number one, who is your best friend, non-family, and what is one funny story about you two? Well, um, I, as you and some other people might know, I'm kind of a social type guy, so I have a lot of different friends. Um, you know, I had friends in high school and uh, that I hung out with and did things with, not cared on much, but probably Mike Purvis, um, who I met the same, probably the same week that I met your mom uh, in Gulfport back in, uh, whoo, 71. And uh, so, you know, we've been that kind of friend that we probably don't go more than a week or two weeks without texting or, or talking to each other. Uh, it may be just TTT. You know, it's Southern Miss to the top. And, uh, you know, if they play a good ball game or something like that, uh, sometimes we just talk about anything. But uh, he's, he's probably one of my closest friends. But then he got – we never did anything outrageous. We were a little level-headed, I guess. Uh, well, some things we did we can't talk about. But, uh, the uh, Steve Ray is another one. We called him Daddy Ray. Uh, he was like the mother hen at Southern Miss. He kind of overlooked everybody, but he's a character. Um, one of those guys, we still, we talk, we FaceTime, we, we do all that stuff still. And uh, I met him when we started school in, in 74. And uh, he, uh, one time, uh, he and I had a basketball game together. We refereed basketball. and We were at New Augusta. So I drove, I dropped him off at his house and went on to ours about 10 minutes farther away. So I walked in the door and my wife, Marianne, your mom says, where have you been? And I said, I've been to New Augusta refereeing a basketball game. And she said, I don't think so. Uh -oh. and like, what do you mean? And uh, she says, Steve Ray just called and wanted to know where you were at. And uh, I told him <laughs> you were at New Augusta. And he said that he was supposed to go with me and they canceled the ball game. Oh, that's messed up. And so I said, wait a minute, I got my sweaty clothes out and said, smell these. You'll know I was at the ball game. So after a little convincing, she, and then she realized who had called. Uh, that wasn't unusual for him to do. Uh, probably my closest best friend right now um, is Chip Searcy. Um, he, uh, he's a good friend of mine. We do, we referee football together. We've, uh, we've been friends, uh, through sporting events and all kinds of stuff. And pride, um, big Rick was probably the first guy I met here in, in town, but Chip was close to the first and, and we've been really close friends ever since. Uh, uh, whether you remember this or not, but we were getting our household goods here, moving in on uh, a Thursday and Miss Diane, 
Chip's wife pulled up in the yard and said that introduced herself. We didn't know who she was, that she taught at the high school. And she's going out to the lake to be with some friends and take you along just to get you out of our hour. We mm-hmm. said, okay, that'd be fine. So um, that evening, you called back and, and said, uh, can I stay the week? Can I stay in the night? Because uh, there's guys out here and we're going to go in the boat and stuff. So we said, sure. On Monday morning, <laughs> Chip Cersei brought you by the house. Now, that, that was for no cell phones. Yeah, that's no, not happening now. With. You know, not that. But you turned out the better for it. But those three guys are probably, I would call my best friends. You know, those are the guys that if I picked up the phone and asked them to bail me out of jail, I think any one of them would do that. <laughs> and, and vice versa. You mm-hmm. know, it's the same way. Good. Well, that's now, great. Good questions or good answer. Good answer. That's awesome. All right, uh, number two, what is the thing you remember best about your dad from when you were a kid? Uh, probably his strength. Uh, dad was a super strong guy, not just strength-wise because he was a compare, you know, he was always a big man to me. He was about 6'4", but, you know, to me he was just such a big man. But his emotional strength and his family strength and his character, um, you know, was just almost beyond reproach uh if he said it you didn't you didn't ask twice uh he he meant what he said if he said no you went on about your business and he said yes you were happy and went on about your business uh, but um a great guy just just a family man that was dedicated to his family that's neat uh, yeah i i don't have that many memories with with granddaddy thomas um you know, I mean, he passed when I was, I think, about ten, and and you know, he was always kind of, kind of older when when we were around. So yeah, he was sick when. Yeah, it, but it's it's neat to hear you talk about him. I mean, I, I, and it's funny that you say that because that's exactly the way I remember him. You know, right. even at even at seventy, eighty years old, you know, you you didn't question there there was no there was still <laughs> arguing there there was no discussion that that's what it was and uh, that's true. You know, it, he just had that that way about him, but uh, but that's funny that that you had the same impression that I did. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. Number three, what was your favorite song from the following time frames? High school, in your twenties, and your thirties. Well, this I had to go back and look up some stuff because I didn't remember <laughs> any of those songs. I remember having a lot of songs that I liked, uh, but uh, "Born to Be Wild" was a big one. That's a good uh, one. Uh, um, Easy Rider came out, you know, and, and it was that up-tempo song, a little rebellious type song, so I uh, like that, but of course, you know, in the 60s, we had it the best, we had all the great, you know, we had the Rolling Stones, we had the Beatles, uh, we had all our country guys, uh, Elvis, everybody was big, so you had a big range of music mm-hmm. that you could pick from. Um, my 20s, I, is when I started my military time and i got away from the country a little bit and got in with some you know not bad guys just guys from other places and you know we listened to blue Oyster cult we listened to <laughs> ozzy osbourne you know so so those a lot of those things are were there um but then of course as i got a little older and i got in my late 20s and then i started my 30s i went back to my roots in country you know george Strait's one of the greatest of all times and anything amarillo in by morning, always one of my favorites. That's good song. 
That's gospel. Sick. I've never gone away from gospel. Gospel music. Uh, right now, the first thing on my uh, Pandora when I go to work out is traditional country gospel. <laughs> so I get a little praying time in while I'm sweating and working out. Yeah, it's probably not on most people's workout playlist, there, Pop. No, but it's good. It, it makes you smile. And That's makes true. You feel good. It does. It does make you feel good. There's no denying that. That's funny. Um, it's always neat to see like how you transition, you know, throughout throughout sure. your life and and what you what you like. I mean, it's not that you don't like the stuff anymore that you used to. It's just you you just like it differently, you know. And, right, absolutely. Uh, I think that's cool. All right, number four. What was the hardest thing you have been through, and what got you through it? Uh, probably the physically the hardest thing I ever went through was uh, OCS, my officer basic training. I did that through the National Guard, and uh, and that was um, two weeks and one week in a month for eleven months, and then two weeks again. And um, amazingly, how many people would drive up on Friday night, and then Saturday morning wouldn't be there. Whew. They just go home because it, it was, but, but the one thing that got me through it and, uh, was that was just, you know, the old saying of sticks and stones, um, they were not going to touch you no matter what you did or how much you screwed up or how bad they wanted to, they were not going to touch you. So they were physically not going to hurt you. They may make you hurt yourself, you know, climbing over something, under something, or around something, but, uh, but they weren't going to, weren't going to physically touch you. It's all mental. And that was probably the toughest thing I had to go through is physically type stuff. Um, emotionally was, of course, when my uh, dad passed away and then, of course, when my mom passed away. And um, and those times I got through because of family. You know, it's, it's when, when you got the support group of, of your mom and, and you guys, you and Jessica and Joy, it's, it's easy to do. That's good. Yeah, I, I mean, it's... I, th those questions are always really subjective, and I think it's it's really interesting to hear how people answer it, and you know, and you can go a lot of different ways. And it's funny that you separated the two. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people don't, but um, you know, I think it's got much more impact when you when you divide it up that way. So right. it's 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 a neat neat thing to be able to look at and, and go back to after after the fact obviously you know when you're when you're neck deep in it it's, it's, sure, it's oh, yeah. sure not yeah. fun not appreciating the lesson that you're getting out of it and, uh, no, but uh but you know that's now we can kind of talk about it uh, all right um number five what is your best memory about your grandparents uh my i, I have both of my grandfathers had passed before i was even born they both passed in the early 40s um uh, mm -hmm. and uh I have no, I don't know why, what, what caused that, but, uh, they, they did. And, uh, my grandmother Gaudney did not live close, very close to us, you know, a few miles or, or sometimes farther away. But my grandmother Thomas only lived about a quarter of a mile away from me my entire life. And, um, and so, uh, I, I remember I would, when I was as early as I can remember, as I was five or six years old, and when you came out the front door of our house and, and kind of took a left, uh, there was a fence row, um, and, and I would walk along that fence and down to grandmother's right behind her house and climb under the fence and go up through her back door into the kitchen. And her house was a straight four-room bungalow. And so one was, the, one was the kitchen, and the other three were bedrooms. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of, of, of style and stuff going mm -hmm. on. And um, and at that age, she'd gotten a TV. 
and so she had one room with a TV in it. But uh, I remember I'd go through there and I'd, I'd go in and, and I'd get a biscuit out of the uh, the cupboard, and she baked biscuits every morning. Every morning she made it. There was no popping them open. <laughs> These were handmade dough, flour rubbed and scrubbed, and wadded up and baked. And um, and you go in there and you get a biscuit and you stick your finger down in it and water a hole out inside of it and pour cane syrup in it off the table and that then you had a you had a great snack you just go back out the back door and go back home sometimes grandmother would know i was there sometimes she wouldn't um but uh you know that that's a fond memory and probably if uh, you ask any one of your my cousins uh the memory of going to grandma's house was getting a biscuit with zero in it. <laughs> it was it was always delicious. It's that that's hilarious to me. I can't imagine Carolyn, who's seven, my oldest daughter, right. walking out the door of our house, walking half mile down the fence line, and my wife not having a conniption fit. <laughs> like it would, I would I be freaking out too. I don't like. I can't even. I understand it, but it was. Oh uh, man, that's so funny. That was just the lifestyle. I, that, yeah, uh, I reckon so. Yeah. Nope. Of course, that wasn't yesterday. That's true. It's been a little bit longer than that. <laughs> yeah. All right, number six. What would you say is your greatest accomplishment besides family? Can't can't take the easy route out and say kids. I'm gonna say eight. Yeah. Eight grandbabies. Yeah. But uh, now probably uh, probably my degrees. Um, I have an uh, undergraduate degree and a master's from Southern Miss. And uh, without your mom and, and her support, uh, I probably would have never gotten those degrees. Uh, always wanted to, but just never really, probably would have never been self-motivated enough to do that. Um, we were... Uh, I guess how you say dirt poor. <laughs> we didn't have anything. We we lived on, on very little money wise. I refereed anything that was uh, anything that paid me to referee. I refereed uh, the first soccer game I ever saw. I was a side judge. And I refereed the thing. <laughs> I called me up and said, "You want to make twenty bucks?" Heck yeah, I'll make twenty because <laughs> at that time I was getting paid three dollars a game for, for referee basketball for the Jeez. at the at the uh, uh, for intramurals, mm -hmm. so twenty bucks. Heck yeah! So I went. He showed me how what offsides meant, and he said, "That's all you got to call." So, <laughs> no idea. So I got twenty bucks for it. But uh, but probably, again, probably my my degrees were probably the most important one. Um, I did write a note or two here, um, and uh, and also pursuing the two greatest things I've ever loved was was uh, my army career. Um, 23 years in this in the military, and, and can't think of a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> probably make it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can. But uh, but it was a great career, and uh, and then teaching. Uh, you know. Cool. Well, good. Those are good ones. Proud of you, Pop. Thanks. All right, number seven. Uh, who it was the coach, teacher, mentor that had the biggest impact on your life, and how did they change you? Well, uh, probably Coach Anderson. Uh, he, he's passed now, of course, but uh, he uh, he was my high school coach. He coached me in everything that I played in high school um, because at school with a whopping 26 in your senior class, uh, you know, you, 
you don't get a lot of variety in coaching. You don't get a lot of coaching positions. So he coached basketball, baseball, and track. Uh, that was the only three sports we had. And uh, and so on several occasions, we'd play a baseball game at 1 o'clock and run track that evening, mm-hmm. or vice versa. And uh, that's just the way it was because if, if – if you were an athlete and you did, you, you did everything. And uh, but but his his concern and his care and his his desire to treat us and have us develop into young men and and uh, of of faith and integrity uh, probably molded me into that character uh, that that helped me develop into what I hope to be a fairly good example. I mean, you're all right. You want to, you know, start polishing any awards right now? No, no. no. Uh, it's it's funny to hear you say that because I think definitely most of my friends, but I think most everybody who who has interacted with you has interacted with you in a coaching type of an atmosphere where you have been a coach or a mentor to them, and uh, and so it's interesting to me that you know that you would pick one of your coaches as as being very impactful because I think you've been that for a lot of people. So. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. For good, bad, or otherwise. I mean, I'm not. Yes. I'm, not I'm not here to judge. You know, I, 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 I had to sit by the water cooler on more than one occasion. So you know, we're gonna we're gonna let that slide. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. I understand. All right, number eight. What was the first car you drove, and who taught you to drive? Well, you know, car is a is, a, is not a good term. <laughs> the first vehicle I drove was a Ford tractor. Yep. I, about five or six years old, and I had to steer it through the cornfield while my dad and my brothers pulled corn and put it in the trailer. Uh, so, uh, so I was well adept to, to driving a vehicle at an early age. Mm-hmm. But my dad let me drive his truck. That's why I started driving the truck. Was uh, it's probably a '56, '57 uh, Apache. I was probably seven, eight years old, nine years old. Um, step side truck, mm-hmm. three speed on the column, and uh, I vividly remember having to hold on to the steering wheel and push my left foot to push the clutch in and pull on the steering wheel to be able to push the clutch in because I just, you know, there's, you've probably never driven a clutch. Oh, whatever. There's a point where you push really hard and it releases and you can hold it down. Then I'd shift gears and then I'd pop that clutch and keep on going. Mm. So that, then of course, you know, whatever car dad had, I drove. Mm Mm-hmm. I haven't driven a clutch. You taught me how to drive on stick shift, well, so that's if I can't well, do it, it's your fault. Time. How about that? Yeah, it's it has it has been a long time. <laughs> all right. I, I'll tell you one little story about driving vehicles. All three of you guys learned how to drive stick shifts, and um, the two girls went to college with a with mm-hmm. a four speed um, for that reason. Uh, you know, you get off to they get to college, and someone say, "Can I borrow your car?" And it's yeah, sure. Just a stick. Can you drive it? Oh, no, I can't. So they didn't borrow their cars. But if they wanted to drive anybody else's vehicle, they could get in and go. <laughs> and Jessica, Jessica, they had a, a vehicle issue a couple, three years ago. And uh, their car broke down. And so a friend of theirs lent them his extra p- vehicle, which was a pickup mm-hmm. with a three-speed on the column. <laughs> Keith couldn't drive it. Jessica <laughs> had to drive the truck around because Keith couldn't drive it. Oh, so, Keith. Yeah. You know, you'd think he'd been in the family long enough that he'd start yeah. picking up some some of those traits, but, uh, you know, it is what it is, I guess. All right. Um, number nine. 
What was your reaction when you found out you would be a dad? Wow. <laughs> Wide-eyed, no. I think uh, that's a pretty you know, common feeling. <laughs> y'all, you know, am, am I ready for this? Uh, I'm just a kid myself. Goes back to that song, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and that's about how it was. Uh, uh, your mom and I uh, got engaged in December of, uh, I think it was 71. And then I left in January of 72 and went to the Philippines. Came home in 73 and we got married. I went back to the Philippines and then she met me in April uh, in Japan. Mm -hmm. And uh, in that between that January and April, she called me to say that we were going to have a little one. You know, and I go, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so, so probably the first one was, oh, gosh, can I do this? Uh, but, you know, we had wonderful baby. And uh, we're excited. Never doubted that we would, but uh, yeah, but you work your way through that. It's it's crazy to think about, you know, how young y'all were and, and being so far away. I mean, like, you know, yeah, we stayed together because we could be apart. Yeah, you know, we were in Japan. Yeah, they you get mad at me where you're gonna go. I get mad at you where I'm gonna go. <laughs> you know where to go. You're not going home to mama. Yeah, but so so it caused us to work through some rough times, but uh, we loved it. We enjoyed it. We yeah. Precious family out of it. Well, that, that's 45 years we've been together. Yeah, so, you know, still working on it. I can imagine. Yeah, working on it every day. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. All right. Um, all right, last one. Man, we're blowing through these now. All right. Number 10. As a kid, what did you think you would be doing for a living? Uh, always wanted to teach. Uh, I felt, and probably. That uh, came from my teachers and and what was being done to me, you know, how I was being taught uh, and mentored. Uh, and when I refer back to Coach Anderson, uh, he was my fourth grade PE teacher and Little League baseball coach. When I say he was the only coach, he was the only coach. Oh, wow. He coached every grade, every sport, huh? Every grade, every sport. Wow. And, and, and so when, when we had a Little League baseball team, he was the coach for the little league baseball team. And, and so, you know, right. And we had little league basketball. He would, I mean, there was no, yeah. And, and so in seeing what he did and what he was doing, that's all I ever wanted to do. And so, um, I pursued that, uh, into, I played a little basketball in college and, and did okay, but not well enough to stay there and got drafted went military, did all those kind of things. But at every step and every level, I was teaching. Um, if it meant that I was on a basketball team and I was the coach and player too, uh, if I helped out at the YMCA or whatever I was doing, I was always doing that. And so when I, uh, when I start really pursued my degree, uh, I knew it was going to be in education. And, and so I got my undergraduate in uh, industrial vocation, mm -hmm. which is, um, you know, I you know, small engines and drafting and and uh, welding and woodworking and those kind of things because those are fun to teach mm -hmm. and enjoyable. And then my master's also in that too. But I got to teach and coach from that. And of course, in the military, I never passed up an opportunity to teach. And uh, my last three years on active duty, I was an uh, instructor at ROTC mm -hmm. uh, at University of Iowa. Uh, which was a great time. And then uh, 20 years in the Elmore County Public School Systems. Um, after about six, after you graduated, I went from 
in the classroom to one of those things, you know, where if you're ever in charge, you always want to be in charge. Mm-hmm. So I figured I could do as well as the my guys that were over me. So I became a principal. So, uh, yeah, you don't sit in the back of the class very well. I don't do that very well. So, uh, I did, I've had a lot of great mentors along the way. Alan Obrey helped me out when going through OCS. You're talking about those mentors and things. A uh, great guy that, that pushed me through. He's an English teacher during the week at uh, uh, Lily Burney, where I was teaching all industrial arts. Then on the weekend, he was the baddest OCS teacher you've ever seen. Just <laughs> rough. And, uh, but, uh, but all of those guys helped me get through and, uh, and be a teacher and you know enjoyed it that's but teaching has always been what i wanted to do yeah and and i i think once again any anyone who's ever met you knows that that's that's who you are i mean that's that's much more than your job um you know i mean you you coached every sport i played until probably you know junior or senior year uh pretty much and um you know you you taught things you never miss a chance to teach the the grandkids stuff when when you're working with them and 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 mom's the same way i mean y'all are y'all are peas in a pod I, you can't you can't stop it it's nothing you could turn off that's just oh, yeah. that's just who you are that's much more than a job and and i think that it's really special when you can find something that that you you get to do not something you have to do absolutely and uh, and i think that's something that resonates with people and and certainly you know with me and with all my friends that, that you coached and taught that, you know, it, it means a lot more when you can tell somebody is doing it for the right reasons versus somebody who's just, you know, there nine to five Monday through Friday. Right. Uh, but, but that's funny. I mean, I, I always figured that's kind of the route you wanted to go when you were a kid, but I, I didn't, I don't think I ever really thought about it before, <laughs> you know, cause it's, it's not something you just sit around and contemplate necessarily, but um, you know, yeah. and you know yourself how much how much you get to teach in, in the military. Oh yeah, you never stop. Uh, you know, training is teaching. You just you know it's it's an everyday thing. And so that was one of the reasons I enjoyed the military so much was was you always had that opportunity to teach, to show, to train, and and, and prepare somebody. And uh, so that just was always there, and uh, just loved it. Well, that's great, Pop. Well, you know what? We are almost at 30 minutes, so I think that'll do. But, um, you know, that was great. Thank you so much, Dad. You're awesome. Um, I like you a little bit, you know. It works out that way. Uh, but uh, great talking to you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. Hug right. my baby. Will do. Love you, Pop. Bye. So that wraps up my very first episode of the Good Dude Podcast. Uh, hopefully there will be more to come how to figure out this system but uh it was a lot of fun thanks for listening take care my love for you will make me try forever